Welcome to the Rolling Hills Community Church Sermon Podcast. As we turn the calendar into the year 2023, we'll be commemorating 20 years in the life of Rolling Hills Community Church. Anniversaries offer us the chance to reflect on where we've been, where we are now, and where we hope to go. Our church's calling has always been to be a people of God, reaching out, growing up, and giving all. How has God brought this vision to life in the past, and how can we continue pressing toward this vision in the future? Join us this January as we celebrate the testimonies, salvations, baptisms, miracles, and life change which has marked the last 20 years as Rolling Hills. Now, let's tune in. So about a month ago, I I was putting my five-year-old son to bed, and if you have young kids, then you'll know what I'm about to say. If you have ever had young kids, you'll know what I'm about to say. If you have ever babysat for a kid, you'll know what I'm about to say. Or if you've ever been around a child in general, uh, you will know what I'm about to say. Bedtime routines can be really, really interesting as parents, can't they? Because you have been trying to get your kid to drink water all day, and then the moment that hydration is really important to them is 9 p.m., you know, when you're trying to settle down. Or you've been trying to get them to talk to you all day, and they've said things like, fine, good, And at 9 p.m., they're really chatty. And you're just listening because you know that's the important thing to do. Well, this is what was happening at our house with my son, JD. And we're just chatting, chatting, chatting. And out of nowhere, he says, Dad, can anybody preach? Can anybody preach? And I thought, maybe the Lord is stirring something in his heart. You know, like, this is a call to ministry. This is amazing. Uh, Because, you know, he's five. And... It's a little bit hard for him to probably understand what I do. I mean, it's not like I'm a doctor or a firefighter, you know, so it's like, what does dad really do all that? I know he has meetings and those kinds of things, and then on Sundays he he preaches, and so he says, can anybody preach? And I said, well, you know, God places calls on people's life to ministry. I said, but you know, anybody can talk and get up and tell a story or a Bible story or that kind of thing, and he said, okay, and then he, I thought that that settled it, and he said, well, can you preach about anything you want to preach about? And I'm like, well, God's given us the word, and there's some amazing stories here, and those kinds of things. And yeah, but I mean, you have topics that you can preach about, those kinds of things. And he said, okay. And he said, because if I was going to preach, I'd preach about poop and pee. (laughs) And I responded much like you did in that moment. And I said, interesting. Um, And he said, Daddy, have you ever preached a sermon about poop and pee? (laughs) I said, no, buddy, I have not. Um, He leans in one more time, and he says, when you're preaching, have you ever whispered to yourself, poop, pee, poop, pee? To which I thought, not until now. Um, And... uh, I've thought about this moment so many times. In fact, it happened a little over a month ago, and I wrote it down because I thought to myself, thank you, God, for Sermon Gold. I mean, this is just such a good story, and I can't wait to share it. But the sweet little guy who basically told me, if I had a microphone, this is what I would say. My core message is thank you, God, for the poop and the pee. It was his his core. It, It was what he said. If I could say anything, that is what I would say. And I have laughed about that story. And every person I've ever told, including you today, have laughed about that story because it's really, really funny. But in a roundabout way, I very much appreciate his focus. And I very much appreciate the clarity. And I very much appreciate the simplicity of what he said. If this is what I could say, this is what I would talk about. 
Which has begged me to ask myself that question that I want to bring to you today. What is that core message that you have? What is that, that, that story? What is that message? If you could get a microphone and you could talk to the world or if you could talk to your neighborhood, what is it that you would really want them to know? Because when I go back to scripture, I realize that Jesus actually answers that question for us. He tells us what should be most important. He tells us what it is that we should seek to bring the most clarity to in our conversations with other people. And in fact, Jesus modeled that answer. He showed us so beautifully in the scripture that what we should be passionate about is sharing him with others. In fact, you're going to see this morning in some gospel accounts where after the resurrection of Jesus, the core message that Jesus brought to his disciples was this. Every follower of Jesus Christ should be passionate about sharing Jesus Christ with others. Every follower of Jesus Christ should be passionate about sharing Jesus Christ with others. So this morning, I'm excited to dig into what is this most important task that Jesus has given us. And I'm so grateful that you're here. I'm so grateful for your presence in this place. Thank you for coming uh, for the first time today. Thank you for saying yes to whoever invited you. Thank you for inviting people into the story of what God's doing in our life. And my prayer is that we would all walk away today as followers, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, knowing that you should care about sharing this most important message with others. Again, I'm grateful that you're here with us this morning. Let's pray together and ask God to do what only he can do in our midst this morning. Lord, thank you for this day. I'm grateful for each and every person who's here. I thank you for your love. I thank you for your care. I thank you, God, that you are close to us. And I pray that this morning we would walk away today changed because of our encounter with you and your word. We're grateful again, God, for who you are, and thank you for this day. And it's in the powerful name of Jesus Christ that we pray and ask all these things. Amen. And amen. Now, this morning we have two primary texts. One's in Matthew chapter 28, and the other is in Acts chapter 1. And in Matthew chapter 28, it's referred to as the Great Commission. And this is the commission that Jesus gives his followers about the importance of going and sharing the message of the gospel. And then in Acts chapter 1, we see that Jesus promises that the Holy Spirit will come and the Holy Spirit will give us power to fulfill that mission to go into all of the world. Now, this is a very small window of time. Chronologically speaking, both of these texts come after the resurrection. Jesus lived a sinless life. He died on a cross. He was placed in a tomb. And three days later, he conquered death. And after he conquers death, there's a very small window of time that he comes back to his disciples before he ascends to heaven. And these teachings come from that little snapshot after the resurrection. And so in Matthew chapter 28, let's pick up in verse 16. You're going to see these words up here on the screen. You can hop on a mobile device and follow along with us as well. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain, where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And then in Acts chapter 1, picking up in verse 6, Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, these two sections of scripture map out for you what is your greatest responsibility. The things that we should be passionate about to go and share the good news of Jesus Christ, but also the promise that through the Holy Spirit we are empowered to do so. 
that that's where our authority comes from and that's where we get our power. It's a very clear and compelling job description, but probably a job description that you could use help with, a job description that I can use help with, a job description that we all can encourage one another in and say, hey, we're all in this together. If you struggle on this, guess what? I struggle on that. Let's make each other stronger in that moment. And so one of our goals this morning is to walk away motivated to share and to understand why we should share and to get fired up about the mission of God that he has placed in front of us. So one of the best starting points is actually to go back and look at what was happening in the first century. Because if you go back to these moments, again, this is post-resurrection, this small window of time, Jesus is walking around and teaching his disciples. And in these moments, we see a snapshot of what's really going on in the lives of the disciples. And it's something that we may have missed before. And I hope this morning that you won't miss. I want to read you a few verses, starting in Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 and 17. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. So post-resurrection, Jesus says, meet me on this mountain, and he meets them there, and he says, some worshipped him, but some doubted. So you have worship and doubt. Say that with me. Worship and doubt happening at the same time. In Luke chapter 24, verse 36 and 37, while they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they had saw a ghost. Post-resurrection, Jesus appears to the disciples on the Emmaus Road. They're talking about Jesus. He comes to them and he says, peace, but they are startled and frightened. So we have peace and fright. Say it with me, peace and fright. Where did we start? Worship and doubt. And now we have peace and fright. Keep going, John chapter 20, verse 19 and 20. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for the fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus come, or came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And after he had said this, he showed them his hands and his sides. And the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. So again, post-resurrection. Mary Magdalene is looking for the disciples, and where does she find them? She finds them locked behind a closed door because of the fear of the Jews. But Jesus evidently walks through a door that's locked and comes to them and says, peace be with you. And when they realize it's Jesus, they are overjoyed. So we have fear while also experiencing joy. So you have worship and doubt, peace and fright, fear and joy happening at the same time. Do not miss this this morning. In fact, it's here on the screen so you can make a note and write this down. Do not miss this. In regards to reaching out, it is perfectly normal to be anxious and excited at the same time. In regards to fulfilling the Great Commission, it is perfectly normal if you're a little bit anxious and a little bit excited. A whole lot of anxiety, a whole lot of excitement, whatever the case might be. If you're feeling both of those things, know that you're kind of following suit with what Jesus' earliest disciples did. Because in those experiences of encountering him, they were overjoyed, but anxious. They were fearful, but joyful. They were worshiping, but also doubting. And so it's normal. One of the greatest modern thinkers of our time is a little guy by the name of Daniel Tiger. Um, <laughs> he's amazing. Um, if you don't know who Daniel Tiger is, you really should. I mean, it's kind of probably weird to just watch it as an adult. But it's the kind of a newer version of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, if you don't know what I'm talking about. And it's amazing. In my favorite all-time episode of Daniel Tiger, the big theme in that message that he's passing on to the next generation is we can have two feelings at the same time, and that's okay. That's what he says. <laughs> 
you can experience two things at the same time, and that's okay. Go back to the text. The first disciples who were walking with Jesus in person were both anxious and excited about the possibilities that were before them. Why would we expect it to be any different for us? Have you ever had a moment in your life when you want to fulfill what God's asking you to do, but you're worshipful, you're doubtful, you have some fear, you have some anxiety, you have some joy, you have some peace? Amen. Have you been reading my journal? That's where a lot of us camp out. And it's completely normal. Now, that's not a pass. And that doesn't give us a buy. That doesn't mean that we just get to opt out because we're experiencing these emotions. No, it means that we're perfectly normal because Jesus' first disciples encountered a little bit of both. But even in our frail state, even in our anxious-filled state, even in our joy-filled state, the Lord wants to use us. And my hope and my prayer is that we would walk away today saying, I should care and I should be passionate about this most important work, even if I'm feeling something, even if I'm feeling something that's not of God, that God would show me what it is that he wants me to do. And my hope and my prayers that we'll be reminded of this, that no matter how you feel, you see this here on your screens, no matter how you feel, the Holy Spirit gives you the authority to share the good news of Jesus with others. The Holy Spirit gives you the authority to share the good news of Jesus with others. If you were going to go back to Matthew chapter 28, you would see that Jesus came to them and he said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. Anytime you see the word therefore in scripture, you have to ask yourself, what is it therefore? Therefore, go is on the heels of Jesus saying, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Jesus says, I have the authority of God and I'm now commissioning you to go with that authority. Now, who gives you the authority to go and share the good news? Is it your education? What gives you the authority? Is it because you're smarter than anybody else? What gives you the authority to proclaim the message of Jesus Christ is the Holy Spirit. It's Acts 1-8 in practice. I have the authority to share the good news, not because of how smart I am, not because of how well-read I am, but only because of the authority of Jesus Christ. I think one of the reasons that some of us get stressed out about fulfilling this commission that God has placed on our life is we try to go on our own authority. We try to make it in our own power, or we try to be able to muster up the, the courage or the strength or the wisdom or the intellect in our own right, and we feel pressure for things that God never intended us to feel pressure for. In fact, over the years of ministry, I've asked people, what is it that really prevents you from fulfilling the mission that God has placed on your life? And you wanna know the two things that I've heard more frequently than any? The two things that I've heard is the first of which is I'm afraid somebody's going to ask me a question I don't know the answer to. And then the second one is I don't feel worthy. I'm afraid somebody's going to ask me a question I don't know the answer to, and I don't feel worthy because maybe I have a past or I see what God has done in my life and what he has saved me from, and I don't really feel qualified to share that with anybody else. But if you were to lean into a second to both of those scenarios, in both of those moments, both of those responses have you at the center. And they have your authority at the center. And they have you trying to operate in your own power. I have to be able to answer all the questions. I have to feel worthy. Whatever the case might be. And Jesus is saying, no, the authority to share comes from me. 
It's why Acts 1.8 says you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And when the Holy Spirit comes on you, then you are the witnesses of Christ to Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You do not have power this morning because of how good you are. You do not have power this morning because of how smart you are. You have power because of the Holy Spirit. Now, when you go back and look in the original Greek language, the New Testament was written in Greek. We've translated it to English. And unless you are a native Greek speaker or studied Greek, you, you realize that sometimes some nuance of words get lost in translation. When you go back to the original Greek, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, that word power is a Greek word dunamis. Dunamis. And when you look up dunamis in other parts of the New Testament, what it really means is miraculous power. In fact, when you look at some of the miracles of Jesus, that word miracle is often translated dunamis. Now go back and read Acts chapter 1 verse 8 and insert miraculous power. But you will receive miraculous power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria and the ends of the earth. Do you believe there is miraculous power in our midst this morning? I do. Do you believe that there's miraculous power in your life because of the Holy Spirit? I do. Do I believe there are miracles in our midst right now? Absolutely, I have seen it. In fact, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ and you have walked away from a life of sin and you have given your life to Jesus Christ, that's a miracle. It's a miracle that Jesus offered you salvation when you didn't deserve it. It's a miracle that you can't earn what it is that Jesus gives you. If you've seen someone make a profession of faith in Christ, maybe a child or a grandchild or a spouse or a neighbor, and perhaps they've been baptized and publicly said, I make a profession of faith to follow Jesus Christ with my life. See, that's a miracle. And as we share Jesus Christ with others, that miraculous power starts working. I've seen this before. Maybe you have as well. Maybe you've asked someone a question, maybe it was on a plane, or maybe it was in a coffee shop, or whatever the case might be, and you ask them a question, and all of a sudden, people start sharing with you things that are going on in their life, and they start sharing with you things that you can be praying for, and you're, th- and you're thinking to yourself, there is no way I could have ever orchestrated this. There is no way that I could have ever said anything that would have led the conversation to this point. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is working in that moment. Maybe there's someone that you encounter every day. Maybe it's somebody at the gym or maybe it's a neighbor or whatever the case might be. And you begin to realize the Holy Spirit is working in the life of this person. And because of the miraculous power of the Holy Spirit, God is giving you opportunities to talk about what is important. In fact, I hope that you realize and that you will never forget that the Holy Spirit is at work in a person's life long before you step into the picture. The Holy Spirit is at work in a person's life long before you step into the picture. When you share your faith with someone or you invite someone to church, the Holy Spirit is working in that moment. How do we know that? John 16, 8 says, when he comes, that's the Holy Spirit, when he comes, he will prove to the world about wrong, sin, righteousness, and judgment. What does the Holy Spirit do? According to the Gospel of John, the Holy Spirit is the one who shows the world that they're wrong not only shows them that they're wrong, not only shows them what judgment looks like, but also shows them the path of righteousness, meaning that I don't have to be the one that feels the responsibility for telling everybody that they're wrong all the time. Now, do I think that we should step back from truth? Absolutely not. Is the Bible really clear on what's sin and what's not sin? Absolutely. But the Holy Spirit is the one that softens people's hearts about the right and the wrong in their life. And we step into their life 
and we show them the truth of Jesus Christ and the love of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit is pointing others to righteousness. And do you know who God has commissioned that message to? Not aliens, not robots, us. <laughs> to us, God's plan for reaching others is you and me, the church. God's plan for reaching other people is you and me, the church. I love Romans 10, 13, and 14. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they've not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they've not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? See, it's great news, but the message needs to get there. It's not enough to say, this news of Jesus is really, really good. And I hope, God, that you will place it on the heart of somebody else to share it. Or this message is life-giving. It's life-changing. It is beautiful core truth of me being in sin and me walking in freedom through Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. God, I believe that. God, thank you for letting me experience that. But God, please bring other people to you. And if there's a way that I couldn't be a part of that, because I'm really anxious and I'm really nervous and I don't really know if I can do that in my own power, own authority, but I really hope it happens in the lives of other people. See, God has commissioned you and I. It's good news. But it's really good news when it's shared. (laughs) It's great news. Really, really, really great news when I hear it and when I experience it. A couple of summers ago, I was preaching at a youth camp, um, a student camp for middle schoolers and high schoolers, where where a sermon on poop and pee, consequently, would have really gone over well. Um, And uh, a whole family was there, and uh, they had, you know, provided us some lodging and whatnot for this camp, and so they had us staying in kind of this little room, um, and the room was fine. It was not anything fancy at all. It had beds and a shower, that was about it, um, you know, no TV or anything like that, and we were kind of right off the dorm where all the middle schoolers were staying, and so, you know, we're not high-maintenance people, we made it work, camp was great. Next summer, they invite me back to come to the same camp, and I said, sure, we'd love to come, and about three weeks before we arrived at camp, they sent me or called me and said, would you guys, uh, your whole family's coming this year, and I said, yeah, they said, would you guys like to stay in the dorm, or would you like to stay in the guest house this year? Well, I saw what the dorm was last year, so I'll pick guest house. I mean, really couldn't be worse. And uh, so we show up at camp, and they escort us to this guest house, which is this beautiful three-bedroom house, bedrooms for everybody, furniture, a fully stocked fridge, cable TV, a golf cart for us to use throughout the course of the week. And I thought to myself, was this available last year? (laughs) Nobody told me that this was a housing option last year, Because last year, I walked through a sea of Axe body spray just to get (laughs) from point A to point B. Again, not high maintenance, but I'm just telling you, that's what our life was for a whole week. And now we're at like the Shangri-La of youth camps. (laughs) Nobody told me that we could have stayed there last year. The gospel is good news, but it's really good news when I hear about it. The gospel is great news, really incredibly amazing news when it's shared and when it's heard 
So as you think about your sphere of influence that you're in right now, maybe it's your home, or maybe it's your neighbors, or maybe it's your community, or maybe it's the place where you work, or the social settings that you're in, whatever it might be, God has placed you where you are for a reason. And I believe with all of my heart that there are people in your sphere of influence right now that he wants you to share the good news with. And that we would walk away today saying, I should be passionate. I should care deeply about the eternities of other people. And today I want to ask you to start praying for those people and for an opportunity to share this incredibly life-giving good news. And when you lean into that power, that miraculous power, not your authority, but the miraculous power from the authority of the Holy Spirit, things start happening. God yearns to use you in ways you can't even imagine right now. I believe this to be true, not because it's my idea, but because Ephesians 3.20 encourages us in this. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all you ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work in us. This is a special year in the life of Rolling Hills. We're celebrating 20 years as a church. 20 years ago, we started as a small group of 15 people down in Franklin, and now five campuses later, this was the verse that was foundational to our ministry. God, we believe that you want to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. And in the course of these two decades, we have seen the miraculous power of God at work. We have seen people right here at our Nolensville campus who were stark atheists make a profession of faith to follow Jesus Christ. That doesn't happen without the miraculous power of the Holy Spirit. We have seen people here at our Nolensville campus that their marriages were on the brink of divorce. They had divorce papers in hand and they shredded their divorce papers. That is a miracle that only happens by the working of the Holy Spirit. We have seen people who have been ill or have been in accidents and they were told that they were not going to live and a couple of those folks are actually here today at church serving. That's the miraculous power of the Holy Spirit. Over these 20 years, we've seen close to 1,000-plus orphans sponsored in this beautiful little country called Moldova, and their forevers have changed, and the trajectory of some of these young men and women's lives have been forever changed because of your obedience. Over this 20 years, we've seen ministries like Path United start. We're down in Franklin. Many people in our church had the vision to say, here's a community where kids are struggling, and we want to offer them homework help and emotional support and spiritual support and mental health support. And over the course of that time, close to 150 kids are being mentored and invested in. We have seen these stories time and time again, and you've seen the stories as well. The stories where you invite someone to church and you don't know if they're going to say yes to your invitation and they say yes and they meet Jesus here and then they start serving in the life of our church. Or they start leading a community group and you're saying, I didn't even have a vision for that. That's the miraculous power of the Holy Spirit working. And God yearns to use you in ways that you can't even imagine. In fact, this morning I wanted you to hear a story. It's a story of Darren and Carrie Clark. And Darren and Carrie Clark are two people who call Rolling Hills home. And several years ago, Darren and Carrie had a vision, a vision to reach people for Jesus Christ. And God has done immeasurably more than they could ever ask or imagine through their ministry. And I want you to take a second and look at this story from Darren and Carrie. Father and Son Ball is, is a community practical event for fathers and sons, but also uncles and nephews, grandfathers, grandsons, and mentors and mentees. It's a, it's a way to get together and have a great time playing football, but to be encouraged and, and for us to point people to the ultimate father and son, God the Father and God the Son, and what what he is and, and who he is and how much you know, he loves us and cares for us. 
you know, part of that feeling is helping father the skates to from the money that we raised for the event to work with Justice and Mercy International to support those kids, work with Team Strong, Frank Time with the Hearts. There's so many things we could say as far as like how this is kind of just over the years it just has grown. When we started in Frank Time, we had about 120 players that first year. That was crazy to me. I thought, how can we even do this? And then every year it, started, it would grow. And so we expanded fields, we expanded the whole thing. And we actually have to close registration. We max out every year, we sell out. And right now, because of field space and all of that, we're about 800 players. MVP started uh, seven years ago. We wanted to give back in our own community and help uh, the fatherless in our community. And so we have reached out to organizations in our local community and they come out and bring their boys. Some of them are fatherless, some of them just have some absentee fathers, but they come out and they play and we treat them like MVPs. And this year we're so excited to add our special needs community. Ultimately, again, our, our goal really is to not just have a flag football event for men and boys, but it's it's to point fathers and men to Christ in order to help that next generation to leave a legacy. You're the one that can make that change and, and to help encourage them to make that change and then move forward and leave a legacy that will impact mm -hmm. generations, and, but immediately you know, within your, your own family. The heart of it is, again, to champion fatherhood and encourage men to be as loving, strong as they're created to be. And, and they can make a difference and make the change that they need to in their life and leave a legacy for eternity in Christ and leaving their, their entire families to the hope in Christ. Praise God for people like Darren and Carrie, who say, I want people to know about the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. I want family dynamics to change because of the hope of Jesus Christ. And over the years of Father and Son Bowl, we have seen dynamics of families change. We have seen fathers come to faith in Christ and be baptized because of an interaction they met with someone at the Father and Son Bowl. Darren and Carrie said, we think this should be important, and they followed through. This should be important to us. And how are we going to follow through? What are those things that we're going to do? Why is this important to us? Because if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, someone shared it with you. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, someone shared it with you. Maybe it was a Sunday school teacher. Maybe it was a pastor. Maybe it was a parent. Maybe it was a neighbor. Maybe it was a coworker. And there are people undoubtedly in our spheres that God is asking us to share with. And we don't go in our authority. We don't go in our power, but we go in the authority of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because we are God's plan with our doubts, with our worship, with our fear, with our anxiety, with our peace, and with our joy all summed up together. And we're not talking about this should be important to us from a lip service importance, but it should be important to us from all aspects of our life, meaning our time and meaning our resources and meaning our schedule and meaning our agenda, meaning if I'm scared to death of what we're talking about today, that I'll reach out to someone and say, can you pray for me to help me to share what is so important to me? 
or I'm going to practice, or I want to find some accountability, some people that will hold me accountable, and of course I'm going to ask God to do what only He can do and begin praying for those people in my life. I'm going to invite people out for coffee. I'm going to seek to get to know them and to share my story and to hear their story. And I honestly hope that we'll all, self-included, take time to come to grips with the fact that people are dying every day apart from Jesus Christ, spending an eternity apart from Jesus and Jesus commissioned us to be the ones to share and to bring that good news. So maybe you're scared, maybe you're embarrassed, maybe you don't know where to start, but it's been my experience that you always prioritize what's truly most important in life. You always prioritize what's truly most important in life. And may in the year 2023, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, may you say, this will be the year that I will boldly prioritize what's important. And as a follower of Jesus Christ, I want to share about Christ with others to step into this most important work. I want to close today with this quotation from Isabel Kuhn. And Isabel Kuhn was a Canadian missionary, and she said, and I quote, I believe that in each generation, God has called enough men and women to evangelize all the yet unreached tribes of the earth. It is not God who does not call. It is man who will not respond. <laughs> Ouch. It, it, it's not, it, it's, this isn't, God hasn't placed the call. God has made it really abundantly clear. It's actually me who's not responded. God has made it clear, and through God giving his son Jesus, we are saved. Why? Because of the hope of Christ, you and I can have the authority to go. And through the Holy Spirit, we have that miraculous power. God has asked us, God has invited us into this work. And the question this morning is, why should I care? And what am I going to do about it? That's the end of the episode on the Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast, part of the Rolling Hills Podcast Network. Make sure you click the subscribe button so you'll never miss a sermon. Also, don't keep this sermon to yourself. Share it with your friends and family. If you're interested in learning more about Rolling Hills, go ahead and download our app. Follow us on social media or visit our website at rollinghills.church. Happy New Year and happy 20th anniversary, church. We hope you'll continue to join us this year and beyond as we keep reaching out, growing up, and giving all together.